Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch the season premiere of Grey's Anatomy tonight at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall rock climbing Libra, and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. I, Charles the Fourth, or is it the Third? Bloody man. We will strive for the detoxification of the Let me put it to you. Just a conqueror. Yes, you If you win by one, you've won. The phone went over the side of the phone. It is time to destroy the I just think everyone should be sure. What the fuck is going on? Hello, I'm Mark Steele. Welcome to my podcast where each week I ask the question. What the fuck is going on? This year, the British Chamber of Commerce said that we had one million fewer people than we needed in this country to do all the jobs that there are to do. So the way to sort that out is to make a new rule that no one can come here to work unless they earn £38,700. And if they do, they can't bring their family unless they earn £38,700 as well. Because anyone who earns less than £38,700 is a burden using our things like lampposts and park benches without paying for them. And that's why if one of these immigrants has a baby, the baby shouldn't be allowed to stay here either, unless it earns £38,700. One of the complaints about our immigration policy is that we let in child trafficking gangs. But to be fair... At least they earn £38,700. Why can't the rest of them make that effort? The new rule will be rushed through because the people who have ruined this country over the last 20 years have been the ones who earn less than £38,700. First came the bankers who crashed the economy. They were all on universal credit. And then there was David Cameron and Boris Johnson with all the damage they did, the sub-38,700-pound spongers wrecking the place because they needed to supplement their minimum wage they were getting for working in a warehouse, and Rupert Murdoch hacking phones, and the boards of the energy companies and the people who own the water companies who pour human waste into the sea, all of them doing it because they earn less than £38,700. And the government say that all the jobs that would be done by these immigrants can now be done by British workers. Because the only reason British workers don't apply for poorly paid jobs in the health service or on farms is because they're thinking, well, there's no point. One of those lucky foreigners will get it. Whereas now they'll go, brilliant. Once I finish my delivery shift, I can spend 14 hours a day picking strawberries in Hereford. And in any British hospital, there's about 50 nationalities all bed-bathing our elderly for less than £38,700, the sponging bastards. And now that can be done by British workers. And if there aren't any, the patients will still be happier because they'll say, well, I'm lying in a puddle of my own piss, but at least it's not being mopped up by a foreigner. So we need more of these rules. They should introduce one that they can't come here unless they can play the xylophone. 
and they must be experts in archery and be willing to fight for England in a medieval war with France, and they should prove that they're truly integrated by answering questions with, Forsooth, my valance, methinks my dowry shall exceed 38,700 sovereigns and more. And there should be stricter rules on only admitting people into the country if they can speak the language properly. Not just the English language, but Finnish as well. If they can't make themselves understood in Finland, why should we have to help them out? Oh, what the fuck is going on? And now we're going over live to the COVID inquiry. So, Mr. Johnson, turning to the 5,000 missing WhatsApp messages, what is your explanation for that? Uh, Carpo, DM, sine qua non, as it were. I was a. Uh, I once killed a, a tiger with a blow, one blow in a, in a cage fight. Now, in March of 2020, you made a speech in which you said that Britain should perhaps take it on the chin. Uh, I made no such speech. I was. Uh, I never was prime minister. There, there, there was. Uh, there was no such thing as COVID. Does anyone else have any questions? How fucking dare you? Ah, Noddy. How dare you interrogate the greatest prime minister what's ever lived? If you thought I'd listened to him and stuck an air dryer up your nose, there wouldn't have been any COVID. That Chris Whitty is only jealous because he doesn't need an air dryer, the slaphead. Could you please sit down? Who's going to make me? Who's going to make me? This is a kangaroo court. It's like when Jimmy the Razor got done for nicking them lawnmowers when everyone knew it was Fat Barry. Could you please remove her? You're joking. It'll take more than that little shit house to get me out of here. It took four bounces to get me out of the bow and arrow that time when someone spiked me tequila and I ended up dancing on the pool table with a bear. Mr Johnson, could you ask your friend to leave? Uh, she is not my friend. I, this is floozy. I've never seen her before. Come on, out you go. Oh, Boris! Boris! Boris, please! I should have been a lady. I should have been a lady. What the fuck is going on? Now, the first rule of trying to find out what the fuck is going on is to understand that it can't be done on your own. You can't. It's like so many things in life, like trying to get to the South Pole. Can't be done on your own. And you need expert advice. And that's why we are fortunate to have with us today Mr. Matthew Norman, expert of the experts. What the fuck is going on? I don't know what's going on, Mark. It doesn't get easier, does it? Well, we're getting there. I think we're making progress. I think we're a little bit like um, Andy in the Shawshank Redemption. It doesn't look as if we've made any progress, but behind the scenes, we're we're burrowing away. Well, I feel more like the old boy who can't cope with freedom and hangs himself, Brooks. But I'll take it. I'll take it. We'd be great, wouldn't we? Tunneling through six-foot American football field lengths of, of shit water. Yeah. Lovely. And it's a good, it's not a bad image to start with, is it? That's pretty much what it's like. We are crawling through shit endlessly. Yeah, it's not even a metaphor these days, crawling through shit, because the the good people of the, the privatised Britain have, uh, have ensured that there's actual real shit, so that the metaphor doesn't even need to be a metaphor. So that's good. Another. Life just gets better, doesn't it? Yeah. Now, you... Um you, were, uh, you used to write a column. It's one of these sort of sort of to start with. You used to write a column, a very funny column called Diary of a Hypochondriac. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Do you want to just tell us what that was about for anybody who didn't hear it? Strangely, and the title didn't really give a clue, but it was pretty much a diary about my hypochondria. <laughs> um, I was um, 
I come from a long line. My my grandmother represented the United Kingdom in the nineteen. I can't remember which Olympics it was. Antwerp, I think, with imaginary bunions, <laughs> and it, like everything else, it passes through the genetic, you know, cesspool into me. So by the time I was literally nineteen twenty, I thought my heart was failing, um, and. I had a very embarrassing encounter with a GP who said, after listening to it, making me run around and everything, she said she would refer me, but not to a cardiologist, to a psychiatrist. But even that, that little electric shock didn't cure me. So, yeah, so, I mean, I used to write a fortnightly column about it because obviously being a Jew helps in this field. Um, but I have acquired a fairly substantial but very thin pattern of medical knowledge because I read obsessively. Well, it is substantial. And uh, the moment I found this out to be absolutely true was you accompanied me to uh, a sort of a bit of an emergency trip to the A&E. So for, but not to put too fine a point in it, I sort of coughed up blood. Coughing up blood's never, never cheery, is it? Now, it was a couple of days after my operation, so it's not... Not the most reassuring sight, is it? No. no, you sort of thought, oh, there's some spit there that needs getting rid of, and yeah. then the sink was full of blood. So right. I thought, oh, now, I'm not as medical expert like you, but I know that's cause for some concern. So you accompanied me to A&E, and the most magnificent exchange took place when we got there. The first guy... Uh, I was sort of lying there with him looking at me thinking, oh, we better look at him quick, what with him coughing up blood. And and you were, you were having this exchange. I was thinking, is this the night that I cark it then? I don't know. It's possible. And and you and the doctor were having this exchange. Where This is how it sounded to me, but you you can tell me what it actually was. Um, yes, his gubernatorial tract seems to be somewhat uh, somewhat constricted. Uh, has he had a, a, a trastodolectomy? Oh, I don't think he's... No, I don't think a trastodolectomy was... Uh, was but, but I do think it's possible that his, his confriction tubes may have been constricted with the, uh, with the outer Peluvian um, uh, the thalangian. A huge fan of Stanley Unwin, so it sounds about right. <laughs> and there was this brilliant moment where you and him were talking like this while I was sort of lying on this bed. And then this doctor went, are you a doctor? I know. I know that quite a lot because I don't really know it, but I've got, I know enough jargon to confuse them a bit. Well, you conf well, it convinced him, and he was a doctor, unless he's wandering around just saying the same terms and he's not a doctor either. I mean, I've often thought I could be one of those people who read about every few years who wanders <laughs> in the hospital in a, in a, well, it wouldn't be a white coat now in green scrubs and spends three years operating, taking out appendices <laughs> and then seven years in Belmarsh for, uh, impersonating a doctor. I could be one of those. I think we were like gamma <laughs> knife radiation, which has nothing to do with your case at all, but we got, it's nice to sort of, you know, spread your wings a bit. <laughs> but, yeah, no, I mean, um, I think it was your upper GI tract that I was talking about. Oh, probably, yeah, yeah, yeah. But he was incredibly impressed. I mean, he, he, he seemed to think you were, you know, given the, given the current state, especially if we, we managed to constrict more people coming in with, with these sort of monetary requirements and so on, we're going to need more people in the health service. We're not going to be able to restrict uh, the, the health service work to people who've done the qualifications so i think if you if you know that number of terms you're in well exactly i think i could get through the test i don't know how many i mean you know we haven't got on to boris johnson yet but i don't know how many people are allowed to kill before people start taking serious umbrage <laughs> if there's a decent you know 
decent quota, I could be all right for a while. <laughs> oh, you'll end up being in an inquiry. You'll be at the in, yeah, and there'll be WhatsApp group where you're accused of killing maybe seven or eight hundred people, and you can just go, well, I, at the time it was a difficult task and exactly. <laughs> a cornucopia of difficult decisions. Yeah, no, it was a night though. It's not a night I'm going to forget in a hurry. I think. No, well then of course we came across uh, um, Camp Mike. Oh, bless him! What a doctor! The finest doctor in the land. Yeah. Uh, um, because I'd sort of rushed out and I just grabbed my first shoes, which were the shoes that I sort of wear for me when I'm on stage. And um, yeah. so then he said, uh, and Camp Mike was sort of Scottish, from somewhere up north of Edinburgh, I believe. Right. And he he looked at and he did all the shining in me throat and all that, didn't he? And uh, yeah, looking and I was sort of worried. And he said, "No, the first thing that I want to say to you." I love your shoes. <laughs> Genius, isn't it? Genius. It's brilliant. Be every other doctor in the country how to deal with frightened patients. Because that does it, doesn't it? You know, that. yeah, that Unless was it. Unless some mad sadist. <laughs> who says, all right, now that's the good news. Now I'm afraid the bad news. <laughs> yes. And I'm going to take them because they're my size and you're not going to see the night out. <laughs> <laughs> now... We move on to uh, said ex prime minister. So we've as it's as as we are at the moment. He's what halfway a third of the way through his uh, somewhat pointless questioning. And is this a good thing that he's having to do this? I'm I'm a little. My instinct with it is it's a little bit like with Farage in the jungle. I just think oh, don't give him any more publicity. Yeah. Well, it's obviously torture for him. So yes, in that regard, it's okay. A good thing. Yeah, and he must have spent how many dozens of hours? It's, it's like it reminded me. It's like one of those, you know, those mafia RICO trials. Yes, yes. But they spent hundreds of hours being coached, you know. And yes. you know, and if this guy's as good as he seems, he's going to get through the defences eventually. But so far, he's kept his temper. He even, you know, he even started with a surprising statement of the truth, having sworn to tell nothing about when he gave his name, which I haven't checked the birth certificate. But that was a good start. And then the bizarre start, because within about 10 seconds, the Lady Hallett, Milady, as they call her, Milady, mm. is, is saying, sit down, sit down. I thought, what's Boris Johnson doing? I was listening, I wasn't watching. What the fuck is he doing now? He's got up, he's doing some sort of penitent little war dance or something. Can <laughs> you sit down, please? Um, but no, I don't think this is... Because, they, and it is, I mean, his sister called it a show trial, which is, you know, the the, the the kissing cousin of the witch hunt, which is what people say when they're caught back to rights or their siblings are. But it, it's kind of like a show trial because we all know what happened in the, in the first place. So we're going through the motions. It's a kind of ritual, you know, ritual humbling, which reminded me again of Rupert Murdoch. And, and oh, and the humblest day of, the, of his life. Um, anyway, I think you're right. But, I mean, in a way, you think this is cruel because... This is a guy who's being asked to remember or comment on his failure to understand really complex science. And it's a guy who can't add up how many kids he's got. So in that sense, it, it's brutally unfair on him. But I think we might be able to reserve our tears for more deserving causes. Yeah, we might be, we might be able to. 
Uh, that is, I think that is what's frustrating with these people. Like, I think that's always the case with inquiries. You think, well, we know what happened. It's, it's a fair, perfectly obvious. It was everything, you know, a bit like the Chilcot inquiry. We know what happened. We know that there wasn't. We know Saddam couldn't attack British troops in 45 minutes and that that was a made-up load of nonsense from stuff on the internet that served their purposes. And then you wait years and years for the inquiry. And then even when the inquiry goes, you are absolutely guilty, you fucking lying twat. Then they just go, well, I'm not taking any notice of the inquiry. And then off they go. And they get paid a million pounds a day for fucking, ah! Anyway. I'm- I know, I know. I mean, I mean, if we're going to be vaguely serious, I suppose this is one in which, you know, lessons might be learned for the next time. But the lesson is don't elect a frivolous cunt as Prime Minister. That's a lesson. Which- Wouldn't it be brilliant if the inquiry said that? Yeah. The inquiry was quite explicit on page four on the... <laughs> and uh, in order to in order to prevent a recurrence of some of the terrible mistakes that were made during the previous COVID pandemic within the United Kingdom, it is yeah. essential that the electorate no longer chooses a frivolous cunt for its prime minister. Thank you, lady. And then they'll be <laughs> well, I, they do, and then and then they'll be. I think, and then they and then they try to make out that it's no. I think that they were absolutely. Uh, they that in the main that it uh, supported my position. And they, Mr. Mr. Johnson had said you were a frivolous cunt, and that no such person should be elected again. Yes, but I think if you look at some of this, the, the the other uh, comments that were made by the lady, they'd still yes. say that, wouldn't he? Yes, you know they're under pressure. I mean, he was doing a bit of this morning with the WhatsApps mm. when I can't remember Lee Kane or, or Cummings said, "Oh, he's completely he's in it. He's a fucking idiot. He can't possibly cope with this." Well, of course you have to understand this is creative tension, and this is what yeah, we yeah, need. that bit, yeah. You know, I mean, he's. He's gonna. I mean, if he had a reputation, he hasn't got a reputation to lose. So that you know, it does. In that sense, it feels a bit, a bit like um, you know, flogging a dead horse. But this dead horse, we can all enjoy seeing flogs. You know, <laughs> as long as there's a whip handy, don't you think? If he was absolutely fly, if they said, if they have got the powers, if they said, oh, we didn't, you know, it just slipped by that this inquiry has actually got the the powers to order a flogging. Yeah. As I don't know how that slipped by the European, but we're no longer in the European Court of Human Rights, and so they can't stop it. I mean, he, pro- you know, it probably saved him 500 quid in a dungeon in Bayswater to have it done by, you know, on the state. <laughs> He's got enough on the state that he should have paid for the legal fees. Let's not give him some S&M as well as a treat. <laughs> but I, one sense is that perhaps that underneath the uh, penitent um, in, um, exterior, that he's not perhaps as guilt ridden as he might wish us to believe. I'm not sure. No. I think you know. I'm not a psychiatrist. I am a doctor, as you know. But I'm not even a pretend psychiatrist. <laughs> I don't know what the term is. But I think this. I think from from what we know about his private and public lives, this is a man who struggles to feel guilt and shame. Yes, it probably it it probably is. Do you think any of them do? Do you think that Cameron does? Do you think he thinks uh, any of them, if they ever think, oh, no, what have I done? What have I done? I think Cameron might wake up. The- the odd morning at half past three sweating and thinking, what, why did I destroy my country? I don't know. I think mm. certainly more, it's more plausible than Johnson. You've got to go back to John Profumo for a genuine show of penitence, haven't you? <laughs> yes, yeah, that well, how <laughs> trivial that was. Exactly, my God. But that was 62 or whatever. Mm. Uh, 
I don't know. I mean, it might be it might be a, a disqualifier. I mean, obviously Blair. I don't think Blair Blair's completely incapable of shame. I mean, he he looks like he looks like a guilty man. That's I think he's probably lives in fear of being, you know, snatched and put on a plane to the Hague. I don't think it's because his conscience is is burrowing away at his you know at him. But no, I'm, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I think it should be a it should be a uh, an absolute um, essential qualifier to be in politics is that you hate yourself you doubt everything you say <laughs> you've got a list of 500 things in your life that make you sweat in the night and pull the face from the monk's painting but i mean I, you don't look at the front benches and think they go a lot of desperately uncertain people no there's a magnificent there's a magnificent sense of um uh of uber certainty no matter what no matter what they do i think in 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 one sense, I think there is a what the fuck is going on about this, which is very positive, because two years ago, he seemed unassailable, Boris Johnson. You would have, most people would have bet on him going on for years. All the commentators, oh, he's got at least the next two elections in the bag with his 80-seat majority and his credibility and his Brexit and all that. And all it took was a load of papers, a load of photos of, of him pissing it up during lockdown. And it showed how fragile that that was and even even the most apparently invincible people you know everyone was used to i know he lies but he just gets away with it and then he didn't so i think there's something very positive about the the, the declining the declining and rapidly disappearing status of johnson yeah i mean you could argue you know that with i mean it might have saved well we'll see but it certainly postponed armageddon because COVID, we'd have had a second Trump term without, not only a second term, but a landslide. He was heading for a landslide without COVID. And he got rid of Johnson and it probably got rid of, you know, Bolsonaro and a few other morons around the world. So those people died for a cause. So it's a bit like D Day. Yeah, I wouldn't necessarily, I wouldn't have said that <laughs> if I was given the oration at the funeral. Because I'm not sure I'd have gone down with the families. But, um, but I don't, you know, I mean, might the the plague itself might be a net plus for humanity <laughs> if, if Trump doesn't get back? Because if it saves American democracy, it saves NATO, it saves the United Nations, it saves the remnant, however revolting it is, you know, the world order would be replaced by something much scarier than it is. Well, there's no better way to end than that, that COVID saved humanity. <laughs> You started off by telling us what a, what a misanthropic person you were, and yet you have come up with the most uh, optimistic view of the of the last few years. <laughs> oh, that's me. Yeah, always <laughs> looking at the positives. <laughs> Mr. Matthew Norwood, thank you very much for explaining what the fuck is going on. Great pleasure, Mark. What the fuck? If you would like to hear more of that interview with Matthew, you can join us on Patreon, where there is an extended version available. And it is thanks to our wonderful, virtuous, radiant, solar-energied, beautiful Patreon supporters that we can continue our quest to find out what the fuck is going on. Just follow the link on our Twitter page or go to www.patreon.com and type in what the F is going on. And for as little as £2 a month, you will get early access to ad-free versions of the regular episodes. Or to really know the advanced class of what the fuck is going on, for £4 a month, you'll get a longer ad-free, ad-free version of the episode 
with extended versions of the guest interviews with Extra Elliot, and you'll get bonus sketches. This week, there's Lieutenant Colonel Sir Ambrose Chisler stand on Cetron on the controversial Dutch book about the royals. Uh, all our Patreon supporters get the episodes on Friday nights, unlike everybody else who has to wait until Saturday mornings, wearing a shroud, and indulging in strange satanic rituals to try and hurry time along, but it won't work. So go to www.patreon.com and type in what the F is going on to join the WTF community. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. What the fuck? Many people are struggling financially in these difficult times, and so we're delighted to welcome once again money saving expert Martin Sunak to give you his top tips in saving with Sunak. Our first caller is Graham on line one. Hello, Graham. Very pleased to hear from you. Oh, oh, hello, Martin. And how can I help you today, Graham? Well, it's my elderly mother, Martin. She's getting to the stage where she can't cope on her own. And we've been looking into care homes, but it's about £1,000 a week. And we just can't afford that sort of money. Well, first of all, Graham, I feel your pain. I really do. But there is an answer to this. You know, if you're worried about an elderly relative, a change of scenery can work wonders. So why not buy her a little place by the sea? Hey, Well, we did that for one of our relatives and it was a wonderful little place and it worked ideally and she absolutely loved it. Uh, the locals called it Barbados. But I can't afford to... I hope that answers your question. Love to your mum. No, but wait. Now we've got Christine on line four. Go ahead, Christine. Oh, hello, Martin. Uh, my son's school is four miles away and I can't afford the bus fare. He has to get two buses and the fare's gone up recently. Is mm -hmm. there any help available? Well, first of all, Christine, you have my sympathy. You really do. Look, I've got kids myself and I know how hard it is to get them to go to school. No, he wants to go to school. It's just that I can't afford the bus fare and the uniform. Well, here's what I'd do if I were you. Have you thought of letting him share your limousine? What? Well, hear me out. When you go to work, your son goes in the limousine with you and then your chauffeur drops him off at school after that. But I don't have I a... know what you're going to say. Won't he have to get up a little bit earlier? Well, yes, he will. And if your son has to get up early so the chauffeur can take him in the limousine... It's a valuable lesson for him that sometimes life can be tough. No, but Martin, that's... Glad to have helped. I'll be back next week for some more Saving with Sunak. Saving with Sunak. It has come to the time of the week where 
citizens of the globe, stop, ponder, take some time to meditate, to ruminate, and consider the forthcoming announcements. Announcements that guide our life. Tell us what to be careful of, what to be aware of, where the next station stop is, whether there's a short train so that we have to get in one of the first seven carriages, otherwise we won't be able to get off at the platform and the next station isn't until um, Lynn Lithgow, that sort of thing. The announcements that we have are that the uh, what the fuck is going on will be continuing up until I think the the, oh, the week of Christmas and then we'll have a week off because uh, over Christmas everybody knows what the fuck is going on. It's obvious it's all to do with elves and things. And then we'll be back after that and then there'll be another series of Mark Steels in town and it'll be 2024 and then everything will be all right. But as well as that, people have been getting in touch with us on our Patreon account, as well as on Twitter, wanting to know what the fuck is going on with certain things. So, for example, John K. Billsbury, one of our Patreon supporters, asks, what the fuck is going on with big corporations who want us to give them money for them to pass on to charity? Am I being too cynical in thinking that they should uh, use their own money instead? So, the sort of thing I suppose you mean, John, is like when you go to a petrol garage and you, you put your card in to pay and it says, do you want to give 25 pence to charity? And that's not helping anyone because you have to faff about with loads of buttons and stuff and I don't understand how to do it. And then you're thinking, oh, if I'm going through all this effort, which is probably more than 25 pence worth of labour, to find a way of going no, you have then gone out of your way to say, no, I do not want to give money to charity. I would rather that this village just rotted away and everybody just just went without rice. I would rather that because the amount of faff it's taken. So then you're in a dilemma, aren't you? And you've given it, I know, uh, and I know what what you meant. And, and of course you think, so of course I, like most people, think, no, I'd like to give 25 pence to a charity of my choice and I'm going to give it and I give it in my own and not through your channels just to make you feel good, Shell Oil, who calls off the trouble. And that's what I'm going to do is give the money to charity in that way and then I don't do that either. So that makes me worse than Shell. <sighs> Sorry. Melanie Ragano, a friend of the podcast on Patreon, says... For someone who gets his head pummeled a great deal, young Elliot talks a lot of sense. When you have a Labour leader praising Thatcher, the end of days can't be too far away. Well, because he's not the first. Not the first, Melanie Blair did that as well. That seems to be the way. I think that probably in a 100 years' time, Labour leaders will still go, first of all, I'm going to try and welcome Margaret Thatcher supporters by saying, you are welcome to... To, to come over. Because it's, it's not like they're changed, trying to change their mind. It's not like they're going, okay, we know you supported Thatcher back then 40 years ago, but we think that was a bad thing to do, which is why we presumably then they're now thinking, oh, I wish we hadn't stood against Thatcher because she was doing so well. That was a big mistake of the Labour Party, not to join the Conservatives at the time and to try and stop her doing all the marvellous things. Cheers. <laughs> I, what the fuck is going on? And finally, Adrian Stockman, one of our Patreon supporters, refers to last week's podcast. Now, for people who didn't hear this because this was in the Patreon bit, we were talking about the first money I ever earned. I was seven and 
I won a contest at a holiday camp. It wasn't Butler. I think it might have been Warners. I can't remember. In Devon, a caravan thing. We were all in caravans. And I wrote a poem that even though I was seven, this poem was shit. And it was an A to Z of animals. And it was like A is for, I don't know, whatever it would have been. A is for anteater, what eats an ant. Uh, B is for B that is smaller than an elephant or something like that. It was so bad. And I had a little book that I'd found somewhere and it had the it had A to Z of animals in it. I didn't copy the poem for the book, but I you know, this sort of had all the different animals in it. And I always remember that under X, it had Xerus, X-E-R-U-S, which it said was a type of squirrel. So I was able to go, and X is for Xerus. And I, I would imagine people went, what? He's fucking cheated there, the little twat. But... It, and then I've looked it up recently, and there is a, it is a type of squirrel out in somewhere or other. Now, a better <laughs> modern answer would be the one that was uh, sent in by Adrian Stockman, who says, excellent episode, hope the health picture keeps improving. A 2023 update on your animal poem, it should go. W is for walrus, who swims free and wild. X for XL bully, mauling a child. It's like Byron. What the fuck is going on? Well, we know that you can't work out what the fuck is going on without the voice of someone who was born in 1996. And it's lucky that in that very year, someone was bred scientifically for the purposes of being able to elucidate all of these what the fuck is going on conundrums. Elliot Steele. Hello. You are the... That, you are the product of that of that scientific experiment. Yes, I am. What, what? You know, whatever you are. I don't know what you are, if you're millennial, Z, something. I'm, I'm millennial, just I'm right at the end of millennial. I was, uh, I think, four months off being Gen Z. Oh, does that mean you're not allowed into certain things? No, well, it's just, I'm, it's weird when you see, like, you always see, like, someone nowadays go on stage, like a comedian, go on and complain about the millennials, and, like, most of them are, like, 37. Right. What the millennials right. are? Yeah, they're, they're like old. Right. They're like older even, yeah. God, yeah, 37 seems so young when I was 20. <laughs> oh, Christ. But now, here's something we can both... Well, what's your opinion on this? This is difficult. I've always... I've, I've always tried to get on with neighbours, right? Mm. And I've had a number of neighbours in my life. I don't seem to remember there was i don't remember when you were little we had the neighbors who were really violent and they were oh the, the ones who knocked that bloke out <laughs> yeah. yeah the ones who knocked the bloke out. yeah yeah because he parked his car in that spot yeah. yeah 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 that yeah they were tricky and didn't they used to ride around on a, a what do you call him four wheel yeah they let me have a go on the quad bike a quad when bike. i was like eight yeah, yeah. Why and you come in. Let me have a go on that. I didn't know you'd <laughs> done it. You just come in and went. Oh, I've had a go on the quad bike. What? Oh, it's all right. It was. It was well supervised. It was. It was run by the people who knocked the bloke out when he parked in their spot. <laughs> yeah, 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 I, yeah, yeah. I remember them. They were all right, actually. <laughs> <laughs> they weren't all right. They knocked a bloke out. I he did park in their spot. <laughs> he did park in their spot. <laughs> it, that was. That was. To be fair, 
they no, went. They not started, to be fair. No, 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 no. To be fair, that was one of those ones where they gave him several chances to yeah. move. Now, I think he should have been allowed to park there, but mm. didn't you go to him like, mate, just to warn you, they're not fucking no, around. They, they like, yeah, 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 because they quite like me, the, those neighbours. And yeah. they come out and, uh, and they come out and they were looking like, they were, they were actually going to bat. They were clearly going to bat. Oh, didn't they get a baseball bat? Uh, he came out with a bat. He didn't use the yeah. bat. And and then the bloke was, no, I part where I like. And his sister was in the car. And his sister was going, just move your fucking car. And he was going, no, why should I? Why should I stand down to be into this intimidation? And and I said, look, let me try and just do something here. So this was my <laughs> this this was <laughs> this was my audition for being an international diplomat. So I went up and I just very calmly I said to him, mate, trust me. They are going to hit you. I please don't think this is just. They are going to hit you. Please just move your car because there's nothing I can do if they. And then he went fuck them. Okay, and I said, please, mate, please. And his sister was going, just move your car. What's the matter with you? Why do you have- No, I'm not putting up with this. And then the bloke just headbutted him. But I don't know. I mean, I'm always amazingly impressed at how anyone can, because if I tried to headbutt anyone, if I tried to headbutt a polystyrene cup, I think I would injure myself. But uh, anyway, impressive as it was, it did mean there was quite a lot of blood on the pavement. Yeah, uh, yeah, that was uh, <laughs> that was one of those incidents where it was. I don't know, you go, just mate. He's not. That, that, that is a, They haven't brought that baseball bat out for show. They are gonna. <laughs> they didn't use the. They did bring it out for show. In fact, they, but, they did actually. Yeah. yeah. Well, anyway, he moved his car after that. But they they were they weren't like yeah they they were troubled people but they were they were they they were better than our current neighbours. <laughs> I'll take them back. Yeah, there was a yeah. The, the neighbours we currently have, though. Well, they're really nice people, but that's they've you know some people just sort of get uh, obsessed with building, almost like it's a they can't stop. And I, I and I think that's what's happened here. So they've they've had the most extraordinary level, you know, and more things. And every time a new thing gets finished. And I've had, like, we've had diggers in the garden. Yeah. You have to come in one day, well, there's a digger in our garden. <laughs> they do, you remember, do you remember when you were going in for a cancer operation mm. and they text you going, hi, Mark, we know you're going in for this operation, but it's really important that we get the tree sorted out. Yeah. So would you be able to... Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, it's, and it was like just as you were being wheeled in for an operation <laughs> about cancer. Yeah. yeah Fucking idiots. <laughs> Well, uh, yeah. Well, I suppose you get obsessed with something, and then you can't stop. And every time you sort of look out there, and you well, one day we come in, and it was like the Berlin Wall had gone up. This huge wall had oh, gone they up. They built a fucking wall out of nowhere. <laughs> oh my god, was that was so unbelievable. Berlin in nineteen sixty-two. I was having a cup of tea, and I looked around and went, "What? Where's that and, come from overnight?" Oh, you on that? I thought, "I'll give it another hour." There'll be barbed wire across the top, and like. Of a Russian jumping, of an East German jumping over our wall <laughs> just as it's being built. <laughs> but the, the the people on the other side, they they just they just don't stop with the fucking drilling. The drilling, they don't, yeah. they don't stop. The, now the thing is, right? So this, what is strange about this? 
When I was younger than you, one of the first routines I did was about a bloke who I used to call the Incredible Drilling Man. But at that mm. point, I was living on a council estate that was a hard-to-let council estate. Mm. And it was like 10 flats. We were all squashed very close to each other, thinnest of walls. You could hear everything. If someone put the mm. kettle on, you know, you, you could hear exactly the everything. It was almost mm. like they were in the house with you. And I used to do this routine about the Incredible Drilling Man. <laughs> at seven in the morning and that and and how I'd lie there and think, oh, do I get up or do I get up, go up there and or do I just, no, oh, no, he stopped. Maybe he's just got up for one quick hole in the night. It's going to be all right. And then you just get back to sleep. <laughs> Off he'd go again. And, um, and, uh, and the major thing, I went in his house once and I thought, his house is just going to be like a giant dot to dot puzzle. It's just going to be right. millions of holes all over, and there was no evidence of any of any drilling <laughs> there at all. <laughs> and uh, so I used to do this whole routine about the incredible drilling man. And now I'm um, oh nice owner occupied place. Yeah. And there's more drilling than fucking ever. I've never known so much drilling in me. Like, and there's just new oh, things. They're, they're rooms. They don't just drill a shelf. Whole rooms, I'm, whole extra extent, not extensions, whole subterranean. Floors, yeah. Listen, I'm going right, to go out there one day and find there's a pagoda out there or something like that or a pyramid. We just thought Jason, we'd have a pyramid. Mary, it's over. Your marriage <laughs> is done. Stop with this nonsense. Have an affair. Cheat on each other. Do something. Family side, something that is just gonna fucking let me have a lion. It's got to stop, and we've had enough. It's got to stop. It's about eight years, and it's, it's not it's, like it's, it's not just drilling. It's it's like a, it's a literally a building site, a digger, a digger in yeah, the garden, diggers, in the garden. <laughs> you mad drills? Oh, the builders just didn't even ask. They just fucking. Uh, Fiberglass oh, so stuff that comes through the windows and stuff. Oh, it's been it's been hell on earth. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think it's been hell on earth. I always think people who no, it's not been hell on earth. I'm not sh- I'm not sure if you were out in Somalia having to walk 19 miles uh, round it's, trip it's, for, it's, for you clean know, water. Right. If you go, I all- lived in Somalia and had to walk 19 miles for an unspecified thing that you've just. Then no, I, that would I would take the drilling. You're right, but I would also, yeah, fine. But also, the drilling could stop, and my life would vastly improve. But if if it was a choice between this and having to walk 19 miles for fresh water in Somalia, then I would I would take this. You're right. I'm, well, I'm glad we've, well, we've established you know that. I'd, 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 if I if I lived in Somalia and had to walk 90 miles for the water. I'd get in contact with those builders to build me something next to the fucking water so I didn't have to walk 90 miles. I've never understood that. What, uh, this is... Well, well... This is in Bouquet. She has to walk... Do, for, she has to walk... Full, you, full, it, it takes her 14 hours to walk to school every day. Well, just fucking live near it. Just, what, what is that, my... Yeah. And this is why you got turned down working for Oxfam. Now, Oxfam's one of the biggest um, scam companies in the world. They, they have like they have like loads of there's loads of bad things with Oxfam, isn't there? Like um, a lot yeah. of money and stuff. All these sort there was of loads things. of things, but no, nonetheless, my point stands. <laughs> Thank you very much, Elliot Steele. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you've liked it, rate it. And if you can be bothered, write a review. 
If you can't be bothered, definitely write a review in cat fur, in, in code, so that it only comes to light in thousands of years' time when aliens discover our beleaguered and uninhabited planet. And that is what they think we did was what the fuck is going on reviews because that's all that's left if there is anything at all that you think i should be finding out what the fuck is going on with it please send me a message on twitter at wtf is going on pod and we will look at every message that you send if you would like to become a wtf supporter for as little as two pounds a month and get early access to ad free ad free and extended versions, please visit our Patreon page. What the fuck is going on was hosted by me, Mark Steele, with my guests Matthew Norman and Elliot Steele. Voices by Sarah Alexander, written by Mark Steele and Pete Sinclair. The music was by Willie Dowling. It was produced by Mike Benwell at Carousel Studios. What the fuck is going on was brought to you by WTF Productions. 